felt my hamstring kind of go, oh, I'm not happy here. And so going into the final, I literally was held together by tape. I had tape around my hamstring, tape on my back, but I certainly wanted to give the best that I had, try and give her a bit of a run for her money. The positivity and the can-do attitude from those volunteers in the sport who have used this difficult period to do something positive has been just fantastic, really. None of the competitions that have taken place would have been possible without that effort. Hello, this is the first England Athletics podcast of 2021. Let's try and find a positive note to start the year on, shall we? Despite all of the restrictions of 2020, sprint hurdler Lucy Jane Matthews made a great breakthrough. She'd been threatening to do so for a while, winning a European under 20 medal aged 16 the year before. Last autumn, aged 17, the Birchfield Harrier came second at the British Senior Championships behind Olympic finalist Cindy Afili. You'll hear from her in this show, along with England Athletics CEO Chris Jones on hopes for the upcoming season. First, let's find out why Lucy Jane did so well despite lockdown and other hurdles, if you'll pardon the pun. Was she just full of confidence after a great winter's training? What does she think is key to achieving success in such a difficult situation. Not not a lot of people know this. My winter was not a good winter at all. I actually tore my hamstring, which was quite traumatic. Um, <laughs> just before we went into lockdown, we got a little bit of a season. I actually had a, a stress response in my toe as well, which put me out once again. So my winter was pretty much non-existent physically. I was a little bit of a mess, <laughs> but mentally, I really had taken massive strides forward. I trained pretty well, you know, as well as I could. But then once again, uh, I got another injury. <laughs> Sound like a broken record, but um, to this day, we still don't know what it was, but I had an excruciating pain in my kind of lower abs. So I was actually not in a good place, but mentally, I'd really improved. And I think that's what got me through and helped me take that step up so basically one of the main factors is having belief in yourself and having some opportunities to get out there and show that 100 percent, belief is such a vital factor it's something that i kind of also took for granted i thought oh that will just come with improvement in performance but actually it's kind of the other way around believe in yourself visualize something happening before it actually does so over lockdown I really started to value myself and my own capabilities and my potential. And when I eventually, and I was very grateful to be able to do so, got to step back onto the track, I just was so happy to be there. And so with that enjoyment came an improvement in performance. And that is obviously something I want to carry forwards to next season and beyond. I suppose some of the international experience that you've had has uh, helped encourage that belief. We could start with the European under-18 championships that you went to two and a half years ago now. That was your first taste of an international call-up, is that right? What was that like? Yeah, it was. So I was 15 at the time and it it was throwing me in at the deep end, actually, because I only decided to go for the hurdles for the European youths about six weeks before the national trials. Initially, I was trying to go in the heptathlon, but as is kind of the story of my athletics career so far, 
I have an awful lot of injuries. Actually, injury prevented me from really being able to do myself justice in the heptathlon and I could not make the score. But in the first heptathlon I did, in the first event, I ran the European Youth Qualifying Time for the hurdles. And I was kind of like, hang on, <laughs> you know, hello here. So I then thought, let's go for that. And I ended up winning the trials and running four qualifying times. And yeah, Gior in Hungary, European Youth Champs was my first kind of taste of competing internationally. And what was also amazing, and a huge learning curve for me again, was I went in, I think I was ranked 15th, something like that. There wasn't much expectation on me at all, which was quite a luxury, to be honest. But I ended up coming fifth and I ran an age 15 British record. And just all of that enjoyment that I took from no expectation on myself really, again, just helped with my performance. So that's really interesting because I think there was a similar case with Lewis Bing, definitely at the under 20s, if not both where he's one of the younger participants, not only on the British team, but overall in his event, the shot put, and ranked lower, but ended up reaching higher than those rankings would suggest on paper. So you mentioned there you were 15 years of age coming into the European under-18s. A year later, I believe you were 16 at the under-20s. Does that make any difference being one of the youngest? It's been really nice, actually, to kind of be a little bit of a baby of the team, if you like. I believe I'm the youngest on the Futures programme at the moment. And on the teams that I have been on, I've always been the youngest. And so I've been able to just kind of have those experiences without people particularly looking at me. And it doesn't make a difference on what you're capable of, but it definitely gives you a little bit of a cushion and a little bit of a leeway to just kind of really figure things out and the two uh, European champs that I've been to have always not been about where you come, what time you run. It's just been about developing as an athlete and kind of grow and get comfortable in that environment. My time of doing that is potentially coming to an end as I'm looking to kind of not just make up the numbers anymore at these championships. I'm really looking to push on and continue to, to run fast and hopefully medal. Well, yes, like you did in... Boros, yeah. yeah, I was there in Sweden and it was quite tight, <laughs> as it naturally is in, in a hurdles race. Just talk to me about the story of that competition and how it went right. If we start with the nationals, as always is the case, everyone goes there with the intention to, to try and win or medal or PB and just do great for themselves. And I went there trying to qualify for the team. Um, and I knew that I'd, I'd have to win the trials if I wanted to try and secure that place. And that was a point of brutal honesty with myself. I didn't deal with that particularly well. I felt that pressure an awful lot. And yeah, I didn't thrive under that at all in that particular scenario, which is a little bit out of character for me, but I learned an awful lot from it. I still managed to win the trials, which was brilliant. I was really grateful to be able to do that. And I had run the qualifying time, but in a little bit of drama, if you like, um, it didn't actually count. And to this day, I still don't quite know the ins and outs of it, but the time didn't hit all of the criteria in terms of the level of competition. And so I didn't have a qualifying time, but I had the win at nationals. So as a result of that, I was lucky enough to go out to Mannheim a week after that to the Mannheim Junior Gala in Germany. And I ran the qualifying time there. So then I had my place secured. 
I think I was ranked fifth. So if I hadn't made it to the final, I would have done myself a disservice, to be honest. But I didn't have any kind of expectation that I would be coming home with a medal. Went into the heat. <laughs> it's kind of sort of my trademark, if you like, and I'm not proud of it, that I get a pretty poor start and then pick things up. So I got my traditional dodgy start, but then luckily managed to kind of pick things up and I won my heat. And then we went into the final the following day. That was probably the best race in terms of atmosphere that I've ever had because in the lane next to me was the home star, Tilda Johansson of Sweden. She ended up winning the race in a brilliant, brilliant performance. We set off. It was so loud. That's all I ever remember from that race, just the volume in the stadium. And when I crossed the line, I didn't really know where I was. I thought I'd come fourth, which I was really quite chuffed with, to be honest. And then on the screen, it said the Polish girl had come second. And I could kind of feel that I was close to her. So I was like, hang on, <laughs> have we got a medal here? And then my name popped up, Al Matthews with a bronze medal. And that was a crazy moment because it was so unexpected and just so wonderful and a huge boost. You know, I've, I got an international medal at 16. Crazy. And then I also... I broke the British under 18 record as well. So I had run a big PB. So everything just kind of fell into place. It was quite a tricky and turbulent lead up to it, but it all came together in the end, which was brilliant. Yeah, taking 1.3 tenths off your PB, which was yeah. from Mannheim, where, as we know, a number of British athletes, young British athletes set PBs. That's quite a lot for a sprint hurdles race, isn't it? And what was the reaction of your coach, your family? You know, they must have been so proud of you to to achieve that at 16. All of them have put so much into my athletics and continue to. We were all a little bit taken aback because genuinely, I mean, I'll be honest, it's not like I hadn't hoped I would get a medal, but you also have to be realistic. And I thought, you know, I'm 16, I'll be young enough to go again, hopefully in two years time. Is a medal right now really realistic? So we all kind of shared that view. And so to actually... I've won a medal, we're all a bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Where did that come from? Great description from uh, Lucy Jane Matthews. More from her later, including reflections on last year's British Championships and her love for the theatre. Now let's get an update from England Athletics on plans for 2021. As far as the current situation goes, of course, the guidance continues to change whereas our podcast recording doesn't. So the thing to do is to check englandathletics.org for the latest. I spoke to our CEO, Chris Jones, who first of all wanted to reflect on the psychological impact of the pandemic. Mental health and athletics is actually the topic that we focused on in our last episode with Jack Green and others. Strongly recommend listening to that discussion if you haven't already. Chris Jones had these words to say about it. It was extremely important and extremely brave for those athletes to speak so candidly, openly and transparently about the challenges that they face, because that will help other people. Much is made or has been made of the physical and economical impacts of the last 12 months, but the mental health adverse impacts, the loneliness and isolation issues created by COVID-19 have been vast. And I'm sure there are many, many people who will listen to this podcast who can associate with the issues 
discussed on the last podcast. For me, it's an issue that's very close to my heart. And it's important that we as an organisation, organisations at all levels in sport and society, promote the importance of mental health and well-being and create a safe space for people to be able to express how they're feeling, but also a support network to ensure that people can continue to enjoy their sporting activity, of course, uh, live healthy lives. I, for one, will continue to champion, if you like, within England athletics, the importance of providing appropriate support, such as education and training programs for athletes, uh, volunteers working in the sport, coordinating our marketing and awareness raising campaigns, such as hashtag run and talk, and working collaboratively with partners such as Mind, who do such great work in this space. So I'd just like to thank those individuals who took the time to bear all, if you like. I've been in touch with each of them to thank them for their contributions, and we're looking at ways in which we could work collaboratively with them, particularly focusing on athletes coming through the talent pathway. We have also formed a partnership with Believe and Perform, uh, who, if anyone hasn't seen, produce some fantastic resources Mm. online uh, available for people involved in sport. Thank you very much. Um, Difficult start to the year in some senses. A lockdown has started this month. So, Chris, just in terms of what is still available in terms of club support, athlete support, from a virtual competition point of view? During the spring and summer period, we launched our Athletics and Running at Home platform on the England Athletics website. Numerous resources available for people to keep themselves physically active. Resources such as webinars, conferences, forums that we established. Those are still available, so we will give some prominence to those again and add content to them. We are delivering a number of our coach and officials education programs online. We've converted a lot of that content. So this is an opportunity for people to refresh themselves, if you like, complete qualifications. People may be moving through those qualifications and near completion. So you can access a lot of that content through the Athletics Hub website, athleticshub.co.uk. Of course, we've yo-yoed somewhat over the last year or so from athletics and running at home to athletics and running safely distanced to moving then late summer, autumn period back to something a bit more normal. But I just think we need to be pragmatic in this short term period. Maybe we'll return back to a kind of tiered approach again. We were largely in this country, of course, at tier three or tier four, and we produced some specific guidance for people. Of course, that is still available should we uh, need to make that live again. You reference virtual competitions and challenges. Of course, at this moment in time, formal organized competition indoor and outdoor is suspended. But there are a number of other virtual challenges, in, including the virtual road relay we advertised just before Christmas. So people should make the most of that if they wish to, together with the weekly 30 that we've been running for a considerable amount of time now. Brilliant. Yes, lots to take a look at. I suppose, Chris, now at the time we're talking, there's a a good few months to go until we even start to think about what could be our hopes for the outdoor season. But one obvious advantage is that it is outdoors, better in terms of COVID. Give us something to look forward to. 
of course, this is a, an Olympic, Paralympic year. Tokyo, put back 12 months, will benefit those athletes concerned, but also motivate others at all levels of the sport or those that aren't involved in the sport to take an interest in our sport to potentially get involved. We would hope that there might be some sort of bounce back as we get into the spring and summer months. Obviously, the last 12 months, we should acknowledge has been extremely difficult. And I think we should be proud that last year we were able to license some 300 track and field outdoor events at a local level organized by hardworking volunteers across the country for just under 40,000 participants. That was track and field. And we managed to license a few hundred road races, albeit they were small local events largely. We have, of course, positively worked with UKA and other competition providers to produce a domestic calendar for the outdoor season. By the Easter period, we could be in a situation where we're back to some sort of normality. That hopefully will ensure that we can crack on with our programme of league competitions, championships to the county, area, national level, and also, of course, event-specific competition organised by bodies such as the BMC and others. If that isn't the case, then of course we'll need to look at an alternative plan, which could include putting some of those events back somewhat. Of course, we extended the track and field season through to uh, a later period in 2020 to allow more track and field events to take place. That might be something that we look at again. And there might be a desire, of course, for people to do that in any case, because they've missed out on so much competition. So we're considering all sorts of eventualities at this moment in time. Of course, the Indoor season will be greatly affected. We can't shy away from that. And um, we hope that some adapted cross-country events may still be able to take place. There were some in the pipeline prior to this latest lockdown. Need to be patient. We need to allow the vaccine rollout to take effect and to support each other along that, that journey. Anything else, Chris, coming up this year? I believe that uh, rather soon there are some council elections coming up also for people who would like to get involved in that. Yes, that's right, Alex. The regional council elections take place every two years and they're due to go live at the back end of January with uh, the process concluded uh, by early April where we'll know who's been elected to our nine regional councils. Information on the work of regional councils can be found on the England Athletics website, but there will be communication coming out to member clubs. So if anyone's interested to stand for their local regional council who provide an important role in competition licensing, in organising our annual regional volunteer awards, advising the England athletic staff uh, in areas such as club development, competition, coaching and volunteering. We always need more people from all backgrounds and all experiences in the sport to come forward. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for the chat. No problem, Alex. And can I, before we close, can I just say again thank you to all the volunteers across the country over the last uh, eight to ten months if you like who have played a pivotal role the positivity and the can-do attitude from those volunteers in the sport who have used this difficult period to do something positive and to see what is possible has been just fantastic really none of the competitions that have taken place would have been possible without that effort and of course there are clubs up and down the land running groups across the land that have gradually brought their participants back to activity and they've had to deal with continual changes to guidance uh, at very short notice if you look at some of the fundraising efforts that have been carried out 
over the last eight to 10 months as well, raising money for charity and good causes through the means of athletics and running. I think we should all be very, very proud of that. Important point made by uh, Chris about the contribution of those with a can-do attitude. Back to our featured athlete, Lucy Jane Matthews. Taking a look at her 2020 year at a glance, she went quicker than times from previous seasons in five out of eight comparable races that she completed with a 100 metre hurdles best of 13.2 seconds, putting her third on the UK junior all-time list. She wasn't just quick at a notoriously fast track like Mannheim, but PB's even included over 100 and 200 metres on the same night in West Sussex. I'm yet to do a performance that kind of is like, everyone's like, whoa, you know, what on earth is she doing there? I'm yet to do that, but I'm just slowly chipping away. And yeah, the 100 and 200 time, it was about time that I ran a bit faster than I have before. <laughs> and I'm under no illusions. I'm, I'm not threatening the sprinters at this stage. Not got an awful lot of technical work behind me. I'm still very much in the infancy of my development technically. So when it comes to sprinting, I just kind of <laughs> go hell for leather and just hope for the best. So over this winter, actually, I have put a lot of effort into my technical running. So the hope is that next year I can keep building on those times and actually go with a little bit more of a, <laughs> a structured approach to my sprinting, if you like. Doing yourself a bit of a disservice there. The British Championships was certainly where people stood up and, and take notice. And I think that was partly because... Cindy Afili is an experienced international senior athlete and people perhaps expected her to win fairly comfortably. Just talk about how you approach the British Championships. Two weeks prior to the British Champs, I did a race in Nuneaton and I ran 13.28, I think, 13.25. And that was a British A17 best. So that was a huge PB for me as well gave me a lot of confidence going into the British Champs. Quite a drive up there, but I can't drive myself yet, so sorry to my parents there. Um, They're not the only ones. <laughs> when we arrived there, the ab pain that I had, almost like it knew it was the end of the season, nearing, kind of hit a crescendo, and I had a few doubts as to whether I actually was going to be able to race properly. Day of the competition, we're warming up, due to COVID, so I completely understand, but we weren't allowed any hurdles or blocks in the warm-up. So that was an experience, but we were all in the same boat. Um, so going into the heat, it was very much just run at these, <laughs> run at these obstacles and hope you get over all of them. It went quite well, considering all of that, but I felt my hamstring kind of go, oh, I'm not happy here. And so going into the final, I literally was held together by tape. I had tape around my hamstring, tape on my back, tape on my abs. <laughs> Just sell the tape out together, try and get her through one more race. I was drawn two lanes from Cindy. And that in itself was quite crazy because I've watched her and her sister, Tiffany, at the Olympics. And they're huge role models to me. Uh, and so to even be in the same race as her was crazy. <laughs> it was pretty much a given that Cindy was going to prevail in that. But I certainly wanted to give the best that I had, try and give her a bit of a run for her money. Uh, <laughs> and it was much closer than I think anybody anticipated, certainly myself. Throughout that race, I could see her in my peripheral and I was like, good grief, this is closer than I was anticipating. And so I just kept pushing and driving and 
she really brought out the best that I could give at that moment in that state on the day. And uh, yeah, I was absolutely over the moon to, to get a silver medal there and bring my PB down a little bit more as is the way with younger athletes. It just was a wonderful experience and really helped me just develop and, and grow and really get used to being in that environment. Well, it sounds like had that been mid-season and had there been other targets, you wouldn't have taken the, the risk putting all that tape around you. Maybe it helped the fact that it was September. It definitely was a case of you've only got one more race to go. <laughs> you may as well throw everything, including the kitchen sink, into it. So that definitely helped. I had people around me that were advising me and it was quite clear that I was going to be okay. It was definitely worth it. I got a lot out of that race. And yeah, I think that really just kind of suggested that I belong in this event. I felt really part of it and I feel very much worthy of, of competing with, with the best people in our country. Was it a bit surreal receiving that silver medal? It was definitely surreal. I didn't really know how to act. <laughs> I, I was ranked third in the UK rankings behind Cindy and Tiffany, but I did not anticipate I'd get a silver medal. I was very much in disbelief. When you get a medal, it just is a huge, tangible representation of all the hard work and just a little well done, a little pat on the back. So we were just all really happy to have that. And I don't ever see it as my medal. You know, this is our medal for my family and my coaches and everybody that's had an input. This is for all of us. So, yeah, it was absolutely wonderful and a great way to end the season. You've got a fair bit of time left as an under 20 now where you could potentially chip away at the UK junior records, the under 21, to add to, to what seems a bit of a collection. I know you, you've mentioned uh, a couple of the records already. 13.07 it is held by Alicia Barrett. Definitely. I mean, Alicia is a wonderful athlete and again, somebody that I have looked up to for a long time. But I definitely have that record in my sights. I would very much like to break 13 seconds. I believe that I can do it. And next year is full of opportunity. And that's incredibly exciting. But the thing that really I'm most excited about is for the first time ever, I actually haven't got any pains or injuries. And I'm frantically touching wood at the moment. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, for once, I actually feel together. and My body feels kind of unified. I don't have a hamstring flying off or a fractured hip or anything like that. And so that is what excites me the most. Let's move away from athletics for a little while. I mean, a little bit about yourself while improving as an athlete over this past year. Have you been doing your A-levels as well? It's all a little bit up in the air, but as of right now, I'm I'm doing maths, biology and PE A-level. They're not the easiest in the world. They're not the hardest. I absolutely love maths, although I can't imagine a career in maths when I'm older. Um, but yeah, I've been doing my A-levels throughout this whole lockdown period. That's really interesting. I wonder then, as someone who perhaps has quite a maths brain, I always see myself as not having a maths brain, whether you see any of your, your track and field performances or, or training differently mentally, for example, you need calculations in, in order to race well in hurdles. Typically, I think in the, in the 400 meter hurdles, when you, you think so precisely 
about your stride length and the number of strides? I am absolutely a student of my sport. I just love it. Although I like to leave my maths in my maths lessons, <laughs> there's no doubt that it does kind of trickle into everyday life. So it 100% is relevant. 400 hurdles is, I would argue, more technical. The 100 meter hurdles, you just run at them. <laughs> Obviously, you've got to get the technique of clearing them and the three strides between, but you get into a rhythm and it's very repetitive. But yeah, there's a lot of calculation and precision and angles coming out of the blocks, angles of your feet hitting the, um, hitting the track, distances from the hurdles that you want to take off and land, clearances of the hurdles. It all can be very technical, but I've also learned how good it can be and how valuable it can be to just make it simple, appreciate the technical side, but then also value its simplicity. And also outside of my academics, I have so many other passions when I'm older, there's just so much that I want to do. I have a bucket list that doesn't even fit onto A2 paper. <laughs> Give us an example. Well, Putting you on the spot, but you might laugh, but I love musical theatre. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. So I would love to do a little run on the West End, for example. That would surprise quite a few people, but I'd love to do it. I'd love to go into acting, coaching for younger people and pass something on to others. I'd love to get into music more, have my own podcast, <laughs> my radio show. Like possibilities are endless. Watch out for me on the West End. On the track in the West End. <laughs> Different kind of stage, isn't it? Um... <laughs> something that I'm hugely passionate about is kind of not being defined as one thing. I am an athlete and I love being an athlete, but I'm also so much more than that. Really interesting. And, you know, I can tell you've thought so deeply about this. It's wonderful to hear when you say you're a student of your sport. We have done so on the podcast, but we talk a lot about how we can keep as many young athletes and young people as possible within the sport, because we know it's, it's a fact that that's age between 15 and 17 is a point where people who have taken to it quite enthusiastically can move on for, from track and field, sometimes into other sports and sometimes moving on altogether. I don't know whether you have any thoughts or, or any experience or anything to, to add to the, the conversation on what can be done to try and keep people in the sport. As you say, it is so important that people hold on to this passion. It's such an incredible sport, and I know I would say that, but it, it genuinely is. And I think also the viewing figures on television, it shows how popular it is and it's so inclusive. I just think we need to continue the encouragement and continue telling people's stories. I think if athletes are potentially kind of teetering on the edge of stepping away from athletics, if they can see stories of their peers, of people that have stuck with it and kind of taken that path, seeing how they've developed and grown as a person and the joy and the achievement that comes from that, I think that could be hugely inspiring and encouraging to individuals to stick with it. Perhaps support at a variety of levels. I'm very, very grateful to be on the Futures programme with British Athletics and I'm aware of the talent programmes as well and England Athletics talent programmes. I don't know the ins and outs of them, but support perhaps at levels below that and kind of the idea this is the level you're at and this is the stepping stones to get to where you want to be. At this age, there's such an inequity in facilities and coaching and people develop at different rates. 
I think there's wonderful support in this country and we're very lucky to have that, but perhaps a more inclusive support and perhaps more attention to that disparity, different rates of development, I think could be really helpful in keeping more people involved. Thank you. Sounds like a discussion worth continuing within our, our governing body. Now, only have to listen to Kelly Massey, one of the podcasts that was done uh, during the first lockdown, where she mentioned, to, to my surprise, that she'd never made an English school semi-final, let alone a final. Years later, she was part of the Rio 2016 Olympic squad that won a bronze medal. Lucy Jane Matthews, seeing as you mentioned musical theatre, <laughs> what sort of show you might like to see yourself in? I wonder whether it'd be a Christmas pantomime because then commentators like me can say, Lucy Jane Matthews, she's behind you. Oh, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, she is. I actually would love to be in a panto. Um, <laughs> genuinely, this is a little bit unconventional, but I would love to be in School of Rock. Now, I do need to brush up on the old guitar playing, but that can be done. We can address that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, plenty of time, I suppose, in between training to... Uh, brush up on the guitar <laughs> learn a few songs we'll see if we can get any volunteers to join you <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> well brilliant to chat to lucy jane matthews hope you've enjoyed the show get in touch with england athletics on social media if you have any comments check the website for any guidance for now though thanks for listening and goodbye <laughs>